All right. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. And welcome to Brian's Badger Lodge. My name is Brian Martinez. I'm the host of this show. Um, and what we're going to be going through today, well, first of all, this is a call-in show. So you guys can call in, give your thoughts, ask questions, whatever. Um, and uh, if 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 at all possible, it might be good if you comment on the subject that I have brought up, but it's not necessary. So if you want to talk about some personal experience you had or something that you're struggling with, feel free to call in because, you know, um, I want to hear what you think and our audience would also like to hear what you think. We try to, like, help each other out. Um, you know, with uh, questions and struggles that we might be having as men, because let's face it, we're not likely to get this kind of support anywhere else. So, uh, as far as a subject that I've been thinking about, uh, that I wanted to like bring up on today's show, um, I'm looking at a sea change or something pretty interesting that's happening in South Korea. And uh, I think that we should take a look at an article from Time Magazine that goes a little bit more into it. I'm gonna show you guys um, what the article is in, in just a moment. Uh, and I, I think that it it's, you know, I, I still talk to Nick Redding, obviously. And um, we've been, well, Nick's been looking at anti-feminism on a global scale or trying to you know it's not easy to find like what the latest news might be uh if you don't speak the language some you know websites are harder to get to things like that but i had been talking about how south korea has like a rising um anti-feminist movement and uh, it looks like that sentiment has finally, like, resulted in something really interesting. So, and I think that if people who are anti-feminists um, around the world are more aware of other movements or other, you know, uh, pushback on this and other criticisms of this ideology, it makes, it's, it's good for us in that it helps us see that we're not the only ones affected by this, but also uh, that the 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 feminists may not have as much control over the minds and hearts of normal people, not not as much as they want us to think. Because I think that a lot of like what these um, woke movements uh, they they sort of rely on this idea that they want everyone to believe that they represent the majority opinion. But I've been saying for a while that I think that they're actually a very small percentage, but they actually happen to have like a massive platform. They have, you know, access to like the big tech companies and they're in academia and they're in all these like spaces and they have authority in those spaces, but they don't actually make up the majority of the people's view. So that that may be the case. So we're going to look at that. And uh, I'm going to go through this article for a little bit and then uh, maybe I'll give some thoughts and I'll let you guys, you know, obviously share yours. 
But uh, in in addition to that, I think that you should still, like I said, call in, give us your thoughts on these things. So let's take a look. Uh, firstly, if you go into the description, you will see a link to the Discord. Click on that link and you'll enter the uh, Honey Badger Radio call-in Discord. Um, and you'll basically join the screening room where Darth Sonic 413, who's one of our patrons and a very helpful um, you know, member of our community, he's going to essentially just find out what it is you want to say, um, make sure that your your settings are working and that, you know, so that when I bring you in, we're not experiencing a bunch of problems. You know, and and then you'll you'll tell him your question, he'll send it to me, and then I'll bring you on. So just go into the description. And if you don't want to actually like come on the show, like say you're shy or your audio isn't good, but you want to say something, you can also call in and just give him a text question or a text statement of whatever it is you want to say or whatever you want to ask. Okay. So, um, yeah, there is a link in the description. Make sure that it works. It should because I put it in like only a couple hours ago. And I know that they get reset after a while, but I think it takes longer than that. Um, all right. So anyway, without further ado, let's take a look at this article. So this article is clearly going to have like some bias kind of baked into it. So we're going to have to like work with that because all of our media is um, to some degree pro-feminist, right? So they're going to frame this a certain way, but that's not really what's important here. I think that what's important here is there is like a sense of panic in this article. So let's take a look. Okay. We're talking about South Korea. If, if anyone in the chat is either South Korean or you know, people who are, or you're, you follow the culture closely or whatever, uh, share with us your thoughts as well. So make sure that because I don't know how much of this that Time magazine is going to accurately reflect or portray. So. All right. So Time World South Korea, how South Korea's Yoon Suk Yul capitalized on anti-feminist backlash to win the presidency. Um, the last few this is by Amy Gunia. The last few weeks on the campaign trail have been a blur for Jang Hye-yong, a lawmaker in South Korea's Progressive Justice Party. But amid the flurry of train rides and stump speeches to support her party's long-shot presidential candidate, Sim Sang-yung, uh, Yang says one moment stood out. A former labor activist and the only woman from a mainstream party who ran in South Korea's presidential election Sim addressed the crowd in Seoul last week. Young watched a young woman excitedly pull out her phone to film, but a man whom Young believes was the woman's boyfriend snatched the phone out of her hand and dragged her away by the wrist. Young, 34, doesn't know for sure what happened between the couple, but as she worried for the woman's safety, she could uh, also not help but see the moment and the presidential election as emblematic of the state of gender equality in South Korea. Modest gains by women in recent years have sparked an anti-feminist backlash in which disgruntled young men have become vocally critical of feminism and women who speak out. 
So, um, all right. Obviously, she's crafting a narrative. Whatever. We we don't we we can't we can't prove or disprove any of this, um, to my uh, understanding. But essentially, you have a woman running for president, and a man beat her. And what the claim is is that it's partly a product of a rise of, of and a very vocal rise of anti-feminism uh in south korea and i think this is like um it, it's important to make a distinction to like there have been some debates and i'd be curious to see what you guys think about this but there have been debates within the space of the men's movement um and and you know some have become like out and out arguments about this uh, as to what is more important, the focus on men's issues and men's rights or anti-feminism. And I think that you can make a good case for either of them. Um, and I think because the thing is, is that like, obviously men's, it's basically a question of which has to change first before the other does. And so there are plenty of people who just say, you know what, um, I don't like want to convince people that I am a better person than others by claiming to care, you know, about every men's issue to the same degree that our enemies care about women's issues. Or maybe like there is like this um, need for some people to tell, show us that they care. And then the amount of compromise that they're willing to do to accomplish those goals might not you know be good in the long run so like this is this is like the main like issue with cafe right like cafe is doing a lot of good work for men however and the only way that cafe can maintain itself as an organization is they have to work with other organizations you know that can help them with resources and uh funding and things like that and those other organizations tend to be feminist so then the question is, is that if I'm working with feminists, even though they may not know that I'm, you know, critical of feminism or I might even be anti-feminist or whatever, how much of their, you know, how, how much in their pocket am I going to end up, you know, or are they going to figure out what I'm, you know, what I really believe and then are, am I going to lose everything? So there is like, but at the same time, again, it's tough because the you know cafe is is helping men like there's like homeless guys guys with depression suicidal guys guys with drug addictions so like what do we do you know so it, it's tricky on the other side you got people who are like you know what uh, we just need to be anti-feminist 100 percent. like if we just attack feminism um and people will see like that there's no credibility to it that there's no compromising with it that there's no um you know, like there's there's no like soft or um, moderate version and that it's it's just top to bottom designed to essentially take power, political power, financial power, cultural power in society. If we can just discredit it completely and show it for what it really is, then we'll figure out all of the other human rights violations afterwards. Right. Like the stuff that because if you don't. If you if you're a part of the of the feminist framework of reality, if you see the world that way, 
then you're not going to see men as human beings because it's part of it's built into right the 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 lensing the rhetoric of feminism so how can you possibly say well i think that men you know they they need this or that you know service or they need help in this area like if you don't see them as human because most of the world can't either can't fathom it or they don't want to look at it um then how can you like how can you help men unless you change that so and in, in the only way to change the way we look at men is to eliminate you know feminism from our from our minds right as like a a way of framing reality so so there's like two schools of thought on this and they both have their strengths so I, i'm i'm i don't know what's going on i don't think north korea has um uh or south korea i'm sorry uh, i don't think that south korea has like a really big men's rights movement i think it's mostly an anti-feminist movement and that they want to essentially like return to some whatever semblance of order they may have had before i suppose but again i don't know and all i can all i can um look at is time magazine's article or some other western magazine's article about you know anti-feminism in south korea and the fact is if you're looking at any of those most likely you're going to get you know a very biased account so because the people who write this stuff are all feminists so obviously they they don't want to look bad and they don't really even seem to want to understand why there's a growing anti-feminist sentiment in south korea so if i say north korea on accident um just ignore it like obviously north korea has more equality than anyone else and there's there's no way you, they could be criticized uh all, everyone is equally poor <laughs> in north korea so um so anyway uh let me see yeah so so the using this narrative of like some boyfriend who you know was mean to a woman because she wanted to take a picture of like some woman running for president and this is like just your typical you know story we don't know how true it is we don't know if it is at all so so no candidate let me just make sure here um yeah so they're calling them the gains modest gains by women in recent years um no candidate capitalized on the anti-feminist movement like yoon suk yol who narrowly won the wednesday's election and will become south korea's next leader the populist from the conservative people power party the ppp worked to appeal to men who are anxious about losing ground to women and helped turn a fringe online community into a major political force so again i don't you know i could tell that there's a lot of like sprinkling of bias and you know calling it the conservative people i don't know if the if if populism is the same as conservatism but but i mean it doesn't really matter because they're just using that to sort of like you know get you looking at it in this way um and apparently this guy worked to appeal to men who are anxious about losing ground to women now, i don't think that's true uh, what I bet is happening is that men are basically they're they're having concerns about their own futures, and this is the first guy to actually speak to them 
about it. And I wouldn't be surprised if this populist wasn't really like specifically targeting men to appeal to, but rather to something you know broader. I I, I think that um, I, I well it it is kind of interesting though. Like that populism seems to be like coming up all over the place. And it's extremely interesting that this guy won. Like, could any world leader, any president, anyone that you know, any like whatever country you live in, whether it's Canada, the United States, the UK, Europe, whatever, um, has any person who's been elected, like actually, you know, would you, I guess, have framed them as like anti-feminist or pro-male? Like, in general, you can't win an election running on an anti-feminist platform. And I, I don't know how overtly anti-feminist this guy is. I know that they're accusing him of being one. But um, if, if it is, if, they, if, if it's true, then it would seem to me that that's a good thing. Like, that's, <laughs> that, you know, there are Koreans who are like, I'm sick and tired of this feminist crap. But I'm, I don't know if that's true. All right. So, um, so they may not be telling the truth on that. I, I think that like when Jair Bolsonaro was running for president of Brazil, uh, they were, there were plenty of like feminist thought pieces saying that, you know, he's, he's, uh, anti-feminist or he's a good example of you know toxic masculinity which is to them you know anti-feminism is toxic masculinity like it's same thing or they're interchangeable or they frame them as like you know strong machismo guys like there there is the way when they want to attack a, a political figure they and, and that political figure is a man um they usually go right for that narrative right but so let's just entertain for a moment that this guy won because he's anti-feminist. Let's just say that that's why. That is amazing. Like I don't know how true it is, but that is amazing if that's true because it means that the anti-feminist sentiment is not fringe. It's not like some idea that people are afraid of, right? It's not like uh it's it's like it's like people stopped giving a shit about hurting the feelings of politically motivated authoritarians because that's what you're really you're not fighting women you're fighting you know this authoritarian ideology um and i think that if that's true that's awesome it's amazing so um, let me look at some of your comments. I know that I'm not I'm not getting any super chats, but uh, that's okay. Um, Duncan Alexander, there are a lot of people who were exposed to the men's rights movement and the Badgers that might have not have other oh wait not have been otherwise after the Red Pill movie. Yeah, the the Red Pill movie did wake a lot of people up. I think, um, especially with all the controversy around it. You know, like people in Australia. For example, after the way that the Australian media treated Cassie J, I, I think that there were people in Australia that were like, I think I want to see this movie now just because of how she was treated. 
Um, men's rights activists is treating the symptoms. Anti-feminism is attacking the disease. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree with that. I'm I'm kind of with Karen on that because Karen has basically said that she doesn't really identify herself as much with being an MRA. Not that she doesn't think that any of those things matter. Obviously, they do, and I and I'm the same way. But rather that fighting against feminism is um, probably more important because again, it's framing our reality. So if you bring up something that's that's happening to men that's unfair. The average person is going to be like, what are you talking about? How is that possible? Right? We live in a patriarchy. Like, you don't have to be a feminist to say that. Like, most people, even if they don't call it patriarchy, you know, most people will just agree with the sentiment that it was a man's world for most of history. And uh, that reminds like, like I said, I, I, I was at the dog park that one day, and there was this older guy, and he... And I were talking about the stuff that I do, and he was very interested and sympathetic, so not a bad guy at all, but he still felt this need to say, well, men ran the world for most of history, right? It was like he had to give them a bone, and I was like, that's not true. I mean, like, that's not true in the sense that, you know, what men were doing was for women. So it's like, who has real power? The person who serves someone or the person who is being served so I, I just told him that that's not about you know and and he got it like i had to explain it to him but he got it so you know i i don't know if and, and even when you like tell someone something and it clicks for them and they say oh i see uh they don't usually change their mind right away like it's it's not an easy thing you gotta leave them alone for a while but uh let me see what else there is here um so bolsonaro was framed as homophobic oh yeah amongst a lot of other things they they're basically just calling him brazilian trump remember they did that to boris johnson too and i mean like boris johnson turned out to be expectedly a massive disappointment anyway but the point is is that they it's it's really not about like the um you know what the potential political nuances or the or the the what are the trade-offs for electing this or that person as prime minister or president or whatever? Um, it's always it always comes down to like feminists saying, you know, like they just say they don't like someone, and it doesn't matter if like other people either you know have their own reasons for not liking a, any candidate, or they may come to the realization that the candidate was a bad idea, and then they're like, well, that you know. But but it's always based in in something real. Like if there if there are people who don't like Boris, it's because of you know his the things that he said, the the policies he you know supports, things like that. Right? That he's kind of spineless. That he was you know in his own way feminist. Right? He was basically doing what a lot of people didn't want. And um, of course that that but that but that's because when you pull back the the blindfold of the uh, you know of like what really matters like what you know what really matters in terms of what makes for a decent candidate um feminists are always obscuring it because all they can say is straight white man you know mean on twitter like these things don't matter it's, it comes down to like you know in to can you do this job it doesn't even have to be a political job it could be any job like you know so and they make it harder to talk about it and they make it even harder to talk about it like adults.
So anyway, let me go back to um, uh, Danko Centaurus says, is the grass eaters movement in Japan anti-feminist? Well, no, I think it's just like men. Um, hold on a second. I don't think it's anti-feminist. I think that it's um, men finding that women are just not worth all of the trouble to date them, and that society itself in Japan is, um, I guess they don't think that what society is asking of them is worth all of the trouble, because, you know, Japan is a, um, it, it basically has societal and cultural expectations from men. So, you know, get, become a salaryman, get a good job, uh, you know, buy a house, like grow up, like all these things. And then, you know, you have to find a woman, you have to start a family. And of course, because like the birth rates in Japan are going down, I think. I don't know if they're, they've changed, but that was from a while ago. Um, this is making like, I think, you know, members of the Japanese political class or people who look at these demographics, they... They worry about it. They they really want you know men to start more families because their population is aging. Um, but the, the 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 grass eaters are just like yeah, but the women aren't worth it. Like they're you know they're super like shallow materialistic. This is what they claim. Okay, um, they're you know uh, they're fickle. It's it's too much work. For them, and on top of that, they're also expected to essentially, you know, be the breadwinner and all this. And they're just like, no, I don't want to do any of that. I think I just want to like watch anime and play video games. And um, again, I don't know like how like rampant that is in Japan, but I can't blame them because they're not they're not really offering Japanese men a very good, you know. Like it's there isn't much on the table there. Like maybe maybe the women all do need to look in the mirror and make some changes because they end up like you know getting depressed because they can't find anyone. So um, yeah. So let me see. Uh, Noba Noba fan says isn't Fringe a small unpopular group? Wouldn't that mean that the leftist making the claim believes that Fringe is just something they don't like? Um, well, I mean, they are the fringe, but they want us to believe that they're the majority. So there, there's like this massive gaslighting that comes from big tech and academics and intellectuals and uh, activists, you know, pundits, the media. But the fact is, I think that the beliefs that that SJWs hold are super fringe. Like even I think that this is one of the reasons why I'm so like vocal about like uh, liberals, liberals, not leftists. This is why I'm so vocal that liberals need to, um, like side with conservatives because they have more in common with them than they do leftists. And you can like, ex and then that's, then we can see clearly it's like turning on the, you know, turning, turning on the light in a uh, roach infested apartment, you could see the cockroaches and, and you'll, you'll know, you know, like how few of them or how small the, the left actually is because they, they essentially blend in with the liberals and the, and the liberals, because they're so tolerant, you know, to a fault 
and because they're so afraid of being associated with with conservatives or maybe not even conservatives just they're so afraid of being associated with anyone who isn't a liberal um because they have also been gaslit and conditioned to believe that liberalism is like the clearly morally superior position to be in and that arrogance that comes out of it is how they end up essentially in bed with leftists who leftists are not liberal like not 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 at all right so but liberals can't see it because they're too busy worried about you know the right or conservatives or moderates you know like which is most people are like yeah like you know they're they're just they're moderate they're just like look i i don't care what you do in your personal life as long as you know i don't want to be like i don't need to hear about it right i don't need to know about what you do in the bedroom i don't need to know about um those things i just got a weird message green oh oh my my uh stream data is kind of low can you guys hear me okay see that my um i don't know why it's so low um anyway that's a little bit worrying uh looks like it's building back up so you can hear me okay yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the kilobytes per second are really low, and I'm, like, trying to figure out why that is. Well, hopefully, hopefully nothing weird happens. Um, all right, so if, it, if something does happen, I'll, I'll come right back if I can. So, uh, let me see. Um, the anti-feminist sentiment has grown quite a bit in Western society, but due to companies having women in positions of power like HR, it's best to be quiet. Yeah. That's uh, another thing, you know? I mean, like, it's become so embedded in, like, every aspect of our life now that it won't be easy to, like, put out all the cancer. But I think if people stop caring, like, that's how it starts, right? You have to stop giving a shit what feminists say. You have to make it cost, uh, make it too expensive for companies to continue to allow HR departments and by extension, unions, because unions are often uh, politically motivated as well as entities, don't allow them to essentially bully you, you know, into in line because the HR departments abuse their power like all the time. So I think that there is a sentiment, yes, and I think it's growing. And I think that uh, once women start um walking away or backing away from feminism uh, i think that it's just going to become like a domino effect after that you know mm. yeah my um my uh kilobytes are going up but i don't know why they went down to begin with all right let me get back to this article um let's see Yoon, yeah, so, oh, wait. Uh, the populace from the Conservative People's Power Party worked to appeal to men who are anxious about losing ground to women and help turn a fringe online community into a major political force. Again, if that's true, the only way that could be is if the sentiment of anti-feminism in South Korea was big enough that they would vote purely based on that. Um, but it, it probably would be more fair to look at the policy proposals uh, that or the promises that 
you know, all the candidates made. Because a woman who just runs on being a woman, that can get her a lot of votes. But um, it, it I, I think that Koreans, South Koreans, are probably, like, not as easily convinced by those kinds of emotional... So... All right, Yoon called for the Ministry of Gender Equality and Family to be abolished. What? And accused its officials of treating men like potential sex criminals. All right. He has blamed the company's low birth rates on feminism, saying that feminism prevents healthy relationships between men and women. He also said that he doesn't think systemic structural discrimination based on gender exists in South Korea, despite Korean women being at or near the bottom of the developed world in a host of economic and social indicators. Oh, well, this guy sounds pretty good so far. Hmm. Assuming this is all true, which, I mean, they could be like extrapolating from something else he said to like, you know, accuse him. But, but if he just straight up said that, like, that guy's a Chad. Um, and whoever voted for him. According to an exit poll conducted by three South Korean broadcasters, some 59% of men in their 20s and 53% of men in their 30s voted for him. Just 34% of women in their 20s supported him. The anti-feminist sentiment was widely used to gain voters in the election, says Lee Yi Yoon of the feminist group Hyeel. I hope I'm not butchering that. It was even the main strategy. Wow. So uh, what is this? Because I'm going to look it up. Um, uh, no, that's a, a singer. Well, that's pro okay. That's some stand shit. I will uh, figure this out a little bit later. I'm curious about this feminist group because I don't know how radical they are. You know, um, the stream just hiccuped. Okay, I think that I think it's good now because I'm looking at the kilobytes and they're they're back up to the acceptable normal levels. So, all right, how anti-feminism became a political force, and again, th this is these. I think these are important things to ask about because like. If it's um, if it's a growing trend and it's in South Korea and it might I, I think that Japan could be experiencing the start of it, but I don't know for sure. And we've been talking about this in the United States, in Canada and in the UK for a while, but I don't know how it's hard to see how popular it is, but there is something great about knowing that people in other parts of the world are having similar experiences or similar beliefs about this, you know, hate movement, basically. Um, how anti-feminism became political force. Both leading presidential candidates incorporated at least some uh, anti-feminist rhetoric into their campaigns in an attempt to attract young men. Lee Jae-myung, who represented President Moon Jae-in's Democratic Party of Korea campaigned on a platform of fixing social inequalities through progressive policies like ensuring that at least 30% of top officials are women. In a March 1st interview with Time, he criticized Yoon's contention that gender equality wasn't systemic. 
I think it's very important to acknowledge the inequalities and issues of gender inequality that women suffer structurally in our society, he said. So this is just like, he's just, you know, give, paying all of the lip service he can to women so that he can guarantee that he's going to get their vote. But even Lee has said he opposes discrimination against men. Although, so, so okay, wait a minute. He, he has said that he opposes discrimination against men, and she is saying that this is anti-feminist. So she is ultimately saying that anti-feminism means that you have to discriminate against men. Or if you are a feminist, you have to discriminate against men. Although he is against Yoon's plan to abolish the gender equality ministry, he has called for the government agency to be revamped. So they're saying this is what they think, right? Women say that they worry that the anti-feminist language used by such high profile figures will normalize the movement and further marginalize women in South Korea. A combination of rampant economic inequality, slowing growth, and some of the most patriarchal social dynamics in the developed world managed to turn gender equality into a polarizing election issue. The main candidates are kind of messaging their whole campaign to speak to this very disgruntled population of young men who feel like they are being left behind, says Sharon Yoon, an assistant professor of Korean studies, yeah, I'm sure gender, Korean gender studies, at the University of Notre Dame. At a polling station in Incheon, a city of 3 million just outside Seoul, Seo Sang, 28, told Time that gender equality was only third or fourth on his list of political priorities. First was South Korea's increasingly unaffordable housing market. The average price of an apartment in Seoul has more than doubled in the last five years to about $1 million. But he agrees with Yoon Suk-yeol that the gender equality ministry should be dismantled because it is escalating gender issues. So, so okay, they gave us a little bit of a peek into like what what other issues might affect someone's like voting, you know, priorities. And of course, the Time magazine journalist is saying it she thinks it's a terrible tragedy that gender equality is only about third or fourth on this guy's list. I don't think it needs to be anywhere. Um, there's no such thing as gender equality. It's, it's like you're literally chasing like a pink elephant. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the housing market thing sounds bad, although I, I probably wouldn't want to live in a city like Seoul, because that's, that, or Seoul, that's like a really big city, right? So that's probably one of the reasons why everything costs so much. Um, some experts caution against attributing too much of Yoon's victory to his anti-feminist campaign promises, especially given the razor-thin margins. Razor-thin margins. Yoon claimed that 48.6% of the vote and Lee won 47.8% of the vote. The campaign was also marked by mudslinging and misconduct. Lee's wife allegedly used his staff to run personal errands, and Yoon has faced questions over his unscientific beliefs, including the use of a shaman and an anal acupuncturist, which he has denied. So then there's no point in talking about that. I know that you want to make them both look bad, but that's kind of pointless. Many voters were also frustrated with Moon, who is barred from running for a second term by the Constitution, for failing to curb surging property prices. 
His term was also beset by corruption scandals, including local officials using insider language or insider knowledge to invest in real estate. The Notre Dame professor Yoon says that it appears from exit polls that both men and women in their 20s were more concerned about picking a candidate who would improve their economic standing than gender issues. The sharp divide amongst men and women in their 20s is striking, she says. It is unclear whether men voted for Yoon because they resonated with his anti-feminist rhetoric or because they were concerned about the real estate scandals that have tainted Moon's legacy. I'm going to read a little bit more and then I think I'll take uh, a call, okay? Other political commentators say that the victor's anti-feminist tactics backfired. It seems like women who would have voted for Sim, a third-party candidate, might have voted for Lee. Closing the gap between Yoon and his closest rival, says Yoon Im Lee, who specializes in gender and elections in East Asia at California State University, Sacramento. So, um, again, I think that, like, I, I could keep going and see, but I think that this is really just going to... Like, um, this is just going to be like feminist advocacy, you know, that they, the, the, this is obviously the patriarchy and the only solution is for us to, um, you know, continue to fund and support feminists. And, you know, this isn't just a, a Western problem. This is an Eastern problem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think that we're getting into the. Yeah, like, how do we advocate for feminism part of this article? So, my, um, there could be more, but I, I don't know if there is. There is a link to the, to the article in the description so you guys can read it yourself um, and give your thoughts on whatever else she has to say. But I, I, I think that this is actually uh, a pretty, like, I'm going to say that I am in, encouraged by this. Uh, I think that people are waking up. I think that uh, South Koreans in particular seem, and again, there has been an anti-feminist movement in South Korea that is very well-known, very popular compared to men's movements or anti-feminist movements in the West. So that's good because it means that people are listening. I mean, some some of the things that the um, South Korean like anti-feminist advocates complain about are a little bit silly, but because I, I did cover some of them in stories, but um, I think that it's growing in popularity. And I think as a result of that, it may be a little bit more focused and a little bit more, um, let's say like intellectually rigorous. So you're not like, Oh, you know, they make fun of our penis size. Cause there was this one group of feminists that, you know, they were, they were, their symbol was this like hand gesture, which is supposed to mean that men have small penises and the, the men, the anti-feminist groups complained about it. And I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the dumbest thing to get mad about. But uh, again, I think that in the long run, it looks like it's working out because people are, um, you know, voting, voting for, and they, and they're not letting the, the gender equality conversation impact their votes. But this guy did just barely skate by. So it's not like Korea has become based. 
Um, but it's it's worth it's worth pointing out though that it looks like things might be shifting and and it, you know it, this is also the case in India like you know I- India has had a men's movement for a long time and they've been very critical of uh, feminists in their country in their governments etc. Uh, some countries are in worse shape than others. I know in Spain, for example, it's basically run by feminists now. But like, if if people keep speaking out, it's actually pretty encouraging to know that like in other there in in other parts of the world, you know, um, people are figuring this stuff out and they're becoming more and more vocal. So hopefully that will that will that as a trend will continue. And if you have the means to you know like let's say if you have a friend and they live in some other country and you think that they're you know pretty like um anti-feminist or they could be uh maybe you should uh reach out to them and see what the state of their nation is like you know like how much how much influence does feminism have over your over your culture, over your government. I mean, I imagine that in most of our cases, it's a lot, right? It's, you know, because it's, it works top down. So you get like people that go into government and they, they, you know, work with academics, intellectuals, people who, and all those people usually are feminist and they will impose, you know, uh, the basic framework of feminism into their everyday life which is what causes people to believe that that must be the truth of everyone's experience. And so they just regurgitate it because they don't want to think too much about it. Um, And of course that feeds into it. So, all right, let's let's take some calls. I'm probably gonna go for uh, maybe 45 minutes if, if you guys want. So, all right, so let's take a look here. Um, Darth Sonic says, well, yeah, he says our new boy Duncan has this question. He's noticed a lot of folks who would be considered the prototypical Chad that is successful with women and looks hot that buy into feminist talking points, despite being the very avatars of toxic masculinity that feminists love to bemoan. Is this a product of the times? and feminism as an ideology or is this something that is natural and part of the natural dynamic of men and women through the ages uh all right i'm gonna bring duncan in so i hope he's ready start sonic um i'm gonna drag him in right now uh sorry the the question i was gonna pull up was just uh and i mean this is something that comes up for me quite often um I went to, a, I'm in South Africa. I went to an all boys boarding school. I know quite a lot of like macho dudes, uh, sort of prototypical chads, guys who, you know, sleep with quite a few women and, and are quite, at least on the surface, seemed quite uh, confident. But they'd come up with all this feminist rhetoric and stuff about like, you know, men having sort of power over women and stuff. And often that would come from, I think, their mums and stuff. They'd be rewarded for that sort of uh, those ideas and behaviors. But because they didn't suffer at the time too much, like there was no reason not to think that way and and not to espouse like uh, the idea that men have always held power and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and I mean, even their, their dads would... Uh, allow their mums to like 
continue to indoctrinate them with this sort of stuff until they suffer enough that they change their way of thinking. And I'm wondering, is this something that's just because of how the world is now, or is that not something that, that's always been um, like a mechanism of, of uh, like men and women? And also, like I was talking to the, the screener, Das, and just saying how in the past there were all these reasons that we had to suffer because we didn't have the technology that we have now but now it's like we're inventing more reasons to suffer because that's that's what makes men men is is uh and us as humans like move forward and grows is uh like suffering i, I don't know like and overcoming it and it's like a crucible um so it's not necessarily a negative thing um what do you think about that uh yeah so i think that um hard hardship is the it's a quintessential human experience like i think that it's necessary and and if men don't have that um they will either seek it out or they will try to simulate it i think that's why for example so many guys play video games that live in first world countries because there's it's like how they get that um that that scratch that itch right so with regards to the suffering um and i mean there is still there you know there is still going to be suffering but um i think that it it is something that we were made for and and i feel like things have become so easy for us right now that people either have to make things up you know that they're suffering from so that there's still something to pursue or uh they basically just get lost in escapism and and then i think that in a way creates its own um suffering too which is ironic isn't that a uh isn't that an incentive for women to make life hard for men oh well yeah i guess so should are you saying that we that women should be doing that no i'm not not saying that they should be doing that but isn't that a way of explaining i mean some of the uh like unpleasantness of of feminism at least speaking as a dude i, I yeah, yeah i don't know yeah well i i'll say so here's the thing about that uh, i may have said this uh before but uh i think that women's evolutionary incentive is to complain and and i know it, it sounds like i'm just you know making fun of women but it's if they don't complain about something that is put that they feel is putting them in danger or putting them at risk or risking their children then uh men will they they need to hear from the woman so that they know what they need to do but the 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 problem is is that as uh men have like continued to make society more and more and more safe and more comfortable and more controlled and more orderly and organized women have had to they, the, the programming that causes them to complain doesn't stop. They just find new things to complain about. And they're, and the, those things become more and more petty and small um, in, in many ways, right? Or um, they can be, like, d- dangerous in other ways. Like, you know, they might say, like, uh, a woman might say, we, we need, you know, health care to be free for everyone, right? That's, like, the new you know, a demand or uh, they, they should get abortions paid for, you know, by the state, things like that. So there, sure. the, the issue, I think that that is like 
the dynamic. Women complain, men try to, you know, make them stop. <laughs> so. I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with you, but uh, I also feel like, you know, men are fueling the fire. No, not just men, but I mean, men are definitely fueling the fire by like putting, uh, whether it's video games or, or any sort of like uh, short-term pleasure or, or like. Uh, uh, at the forefront, instead of going into the things that we suffer, because like suffering's everywhere, everybody suffers in one shape or form or another. And if you if you go into that, then you short circuit uh, what what women have to complain about. At least the way I'm seeing it is that women need to complain because that's something that like at least the woman I talk to. Uh, like Carly the other day was just saying that, that they need to almost make men suffer or, or discipline them or whatever. It's like going to help them grow or something. But what I hear from her is that men aren't doing that for themselves. Um, and I feel like that's something that each of us can do personally on an individual level. It's not something that it's not some great big ideology that we're going to be able to like um, overcome, which is how I perceive uh like the Honey Badger, Badger Radio's kind of mission and the men's rights movement mission is like trying to overcome this this like great big ideology and and I just don't see that as being the way forward. Um, that that's not to say that we don't have like a lot of uh, great members and and like Mig Towers and things like that in the chat coming up with like a lot of really good stuff. But uh, I just feel like there's there's no there's no going to be like some big great winning thing where we beat feminism or anything like that because. It's it's always going to be like this individual thing where we have to um, work on what's really meaningful for us uh, in the moment, moment to moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it, it it's true. Like we won't ever defeat it. I mean, like you know, there there is no there is no like uh, final victory or anything like that. It's basically got to be ongoing. So what we what we need to do is um, what men are really good at, which is essentially establishing. Um, boundaries and enforcing those boundaries within reason so that you know some of the absolutely insane things that are happening ar uh, around the world legally and politically that are driven by you know this ideology so that those things are like kept under under control it doesn't like obviously women and feminists are going to always exist and they're always going to believe what they believe but Right now, they have basically dominated the conversation on gender. And so I think that what we need to do is shift that away so that we're looking at it in a maybe a more humanist fashion, but at least in a fashion that is like uh, not grounded in some religious belief about the relationship between men and women, but rather just like reality. Like we're just looking at things as they are. And obviously they stand to lose a lot if that happens because this is all just used to you know acquire power and all of that and like individual women who use it maybe they just you know like the idea of being a victim it, it makes them more sympathetic but like in general they're not that dangerous you can just avoid them um but i'm talking about like where it operates from the top down as like the real that's where the real danger is so um as far as yeah. the, no, oh, I, i'm sorry i, go I ahead. can really relate to that oh sure thank you um i can really relate to that just 
Growing up, uh, I was sexually abused as a kid between the ages of six and 11 and happened a few times. But then I, I felt like I was never allowed to speak about that because, you know, men are always predatory. And that's the message I got growing all the way up. And and not being able to have that uh, like talk with somebody or, or to share about what happened until I was like much older or being treated like like I, I was just somehow that like it's all right what happened or something or, or laughed at or whatever like that. Like uh, that feels like a negative consequence of the world we're living in. But when I hear feminists talk about even my, my sister or, or like loved ones talking about abortion rights and stuff, it feels like that's what they're defending. They're, they're afraid that they're going to be in a world where they can't talk about the things that they need to talk about. Um yeah, and I don't know how true that is. Uh, I I don't I don't believe it is. I I think that like we've we've kind of spoiled women for generations, um, and we're we're starting to feel the effects of that. I I, I bet a, a hundred years ago women wouldn't be complaining about the stuff that today's women are, and they wouldn't even like be um all that concerned unless of course they were and again this is i believe that feminism is a, something that could only exist in a world where there's so much comfort and safety that you know you your women are just bored like they be so especially if they're elite women like high class women because working class women are they probably always have something they have to do um so yeah i mean that that's my a belief but i'm i i agree with you like uh what what i want to do is basically just make it legal for men to um spend time with other men to, to help each other out to mentor each other you know and uh that that just doesn't like that's not allowed right now i mean it, it, there are men's groups but you notice that they're constantly under fire by you know feminist journalists which is basically another way of saying journalists <laughs> so um because they don't want men doing that and and you have to ask like well why why is that a problem and of course when men benefit women don't lose so it's not like whatever men it's not zero sum right whatever when when you have fewer men who are depressed and suicidal um or homicidal that are you know like they're not interested in like shooting up a school because they feel like society hates them they're less misanthropic they're less self-destructive they feel like their life has meaning and purpose if you have fewer men that are like that and more men that have like you know a direction a goal a place to 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 move towards um and they also have the tools to deal with their own suffering because i think that when a man becomes you know self-destructive or whatever it's because uh he's suffering and doesn't have the appropriate tools to confront and overcome it if you have fewer men like that women benefit like society benefits and women benefit so it's it, oh. feminists will have you believe that whatever men's men gain women lose but that's just not true because everything that men do, just about everything that men do, ultimately is used to benefit at least a woman, if not women in general. Oh, Brian, I'm a part of a few uh, like Narcotics Anonymous uh, meetings. Uh, I've been in recovery for about eight years. 
uh, and here locally in South Africa, I'm, I'm a part of a few meetings. And recently, we started like a men's meeting. And it's amazing how, like, the stuff we share in the men's meeting is not stuff that we share when they're women around. And it's the most basic stuff. It's like talking about, like, gardening and, and just, like, doing, like, getting a new job, like, really building up a life for ourselves. And it's so empowering, but it's it's just not some stuff that you talk about with uh, when women are around or... I don't know. It's a little bit of a weird aside. Uh, I, no, I no. I, I think that, I think that's great. Like honestly, that that is fantastic. And uh, congratulations. You you said that you Narcotics Anonymous. So um, on your on your success. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm gonna leave here. But thank you so much, and thanks for all the good work that you do. Um, yeah. Cheers. All right, thank you, Duncan. I'm gonna move you back into the. Uh... Yeah. Oh well, he did it himself. He just. Uh, okay. So that's cool. Uh, are there any other questions? I see like there's like two people in there with Darth Sonic. Uh, I can go for a little while longer. Um, so you know, if they have questions, whether they are calling in or just um, you know maybe sending a a message. So. Uh, okay, so let's take a look at what you guys are saying in the meantime. Um, let's see. I, I just want to see if there's anything that I'm missing here. Chad fems are more prevalent because there are more single parents. Oh, the thing about the Chad. Yeah, so uh, I believe that, like I said, the average. Like if you're a Chad, right? And you, for you, maybe like attracting women comes easily. Um, it's probably not something you think a lot about when it comes to, you know, like feminism's uh, evils. Because feminism, there's a difference between what feminists say they like and what they actually like. So feminism will, uh, feminists will always talk crap about chads, but they actually want to bang them. They want to be in relationships with them. They want to be closer to them. They will, you know, call soy boys heroes and they'll laud them, especially if they're vocally feminist and everything, but they don't want to date them. They, they don't. They don't want to date those guys. So I and, and actually I have a tremendous because I know that like one of the it's a tactic that a lot of like, you know, these guys engage in and like, well, if I if I say I'm a feminist, then I'll get women to like me. But it's not it's it doesn't work like it just don't do it right and don't let these women you know like manipulate you into that like just just be an individual and i think that it just comes easy for chats because they they can like if they praise feminism for example um they might even believe that it's improving their odds but the fact is is that it's it's probably highly likely that they were going to get laid anyway um, because feminist women don't actually want what they claim they want. So, uh, we have another question coming up. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Darth Sonic, just tell me who it is and give me a brief, um, summary of the question, I guess. So let's see what you guys are talking about. I'll scroll up a bit. 
women in Korea have the same opportunities and are not behind men in anything, especially with regards to the younger generations. Yeah, I have my doubts about that. Like, obviously, this woman is over over painting Korea as patriarchal. Um, I believe that this is like a thing that they do with all Asian countries when they want to make the case for feminism in, in any Asian country, even like one like Vietnam or the Philippines. Um, they will basically like just call it patriarchal, say it's like really traditionalist or something. And then based on that, uh, you're supposed to basically just know or believe that they treat their women like garbage. And I, I don't like I remember years ago I had this guest on. Uh, he was a Muslim and he's a MGTOW and he was a, a very like he, he was from Indonesia. Originally. And we were talking about like, you know, if Indonesia, which has like, I think it's got like the highest uh, proportion of Muslims. Now, I'm, I'm not, I think that Muslims of Indonesia and Muslims of like Middle Eastern countries, they, they might have like, they, there might be little differences outside of like the, you know, um, demographics and, and uh, but there might be cultural differences. But overall, you know, he, he talked about how um, when he, uh, um, Indonesia is an extremely gynocentric country. So like there, there's. And it's obvious, right? We, we've talked about this. We've talked about how Islam is, is not the scary patriarchal place that, that so many um, feminists and conservatives, or at least Western normie conservative types, believe. Uh, because if you don't look at the situation for men in those countries, and you simply presume that women are hard done by because they're wearing burqas, then you haven't looked into it enough because you know it it's it's not like it's not that simple so all right uh here's another call or another question doge our boy dogma's devil wants some advice after being estranged from his little brother due to a combination of the lockdowns and his less than admirable mother he now wishes to reconnect after becoming financially stable uh, unfortunately, his stepfather, the only positive male role model in their daily lives, passed away. So he wants advice on how to reconnect with and comfort his very much not red-pilled normie brother without letting his red-pill status sour his interactions. Specifically, what is a good approach to reconnect with him while trying to stop a bit of a familial curse from continuing on and allowing hate to fester? All right, so I'm going to bring Dogma's Devil into the chat. Uh, hello, Dogma's Devil. Can you hear me okay? Oh. Yes, hello. Hi. Um, yeah. yeah. Hi, right, what's for up? That yeah, I, uh, I left my question there for, uh, for the lads. I'm just, um, I'll just run it by you there if it's okay. If it's all right with you. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I've uh, I've been a long time listener. Uh, dropped off for a while, but I got back into his recently. But uh, yeah, I essentially was getting my life together as such. But uh, you know, I was uh, 
wasn't able to see my little brother for a few years as a result of that throughout the lockdowns and a little bit before that as well. And we don't have a we don't have a really great uh, motherly figure, you know. That's the situation with that. Where where are so you? I, uh, I'm, if you don't mind me asking, where are you located? Oh, I'm in uh, I'm in Europe, but it's uh, yeah, that's it's uh, it's quite a way out there. Yeah, it's I'm not I'm not an American. I, I mean, I, I, I gather that by your accent, but I guess my question is like how, like what country are you uh, from? Because I'm curious, like how bad the lockdowns were. Oh, okay. Um, Ireland, Ireland. It was. Oh um, yeah, Ireland was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they really wanted to make it bad, but it was uh, the worst part about it was psychological rather than anything else, and it was all kind of psychologically reinforced and. At the same time, I know people who were able to go and skate despite the lockdowns and all that carry on, and it wasn't by acquiescence to the government or anything like that. Still, though, a lot of people had to deal with that, and um, honestly, the media was very much our enemy uh, that uh, over those two years. And you know, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. They're acting like they can, but they but they can't. They can't people keep people strung out on it either anymore. So that's good. So, um, yeah, some of the normies are starting to turn here and, uh, that, that isn't doing too, uh, that ain't doing too bad, honestly, you know, it just means less, less trust in the mainstream is always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know, uh, Dave Cullen he used to run, uh, a, a pretty big YouTube channel on, on YouTube, but he's now like on alternative media and he, he lives in Ireland and he's been vocally, um, discussing like all of the government overreach and other things so yeah uh i can see how this has like created serious problems with your family members um so go ahead and, and give us the um summary of the question again well before all of that you know i mean there wasn't uh it wasn't good with my wasn't good with that side of my family for for quite a while and um uh, you know, uh, around the year I was deciding to go and get my life in order and make a, make something of myself and, you know, get a qualification and whatnot and, you know, get a bit of money as well, uh, <laughs> or at least get the, get a means of a steady bit of income, which I have now. It's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't able to go and see my little brother for, for all those years. And now I'm trying to go and get that sorted, you know, and get, get something back going but like the week i'm the week i'm trying to go and get this done as well you know where our stepfather uh well my stepfather his father he they he passed away just today so oh i'm so sorry to hear that uh yeah that's uh, it's, it's it's rough but um yeah he wasn't in a good way for a while apparently and you know after seeing my little bro the next logical step was to see him and i'm i'm processing it rather strangely to be honest but um but i did love the man you know even though it wasn't really rosy towards the end and i haven't seen him in two years either because well you know he didn't have the he didn't have the best temperament to put it mildly but uh he was always honest with me and that was a. Uh, that was that was one thing about him that was uh undying, I guess you know, and yeah yeah well, now with with that extra strain put in there, I mean, 
I'm trying to go and figure out how to be a good role model to my to my little brother and not have him fall into any kind of crap with um, drink or, you know, cannabis smoking or nitrous oxide because that's a thing that's happening up around here in Dublin now. It's quite uh, it's quite nasty, actually. Um, but, you know, they just... Uh, you have a lot of normies here and they're still kind of unaware of the damage that that's causing really and they don't talk about it openly and a lot of them are old as well so but uh yeah i'm just trying to go and trying to be a good a good influence for my little bro and how to go and rekindle that saying you know seeing i I used to go bond with him very well over games and such and anime and all that carry on but you know i've got to go and go with something a bit more substantial now you know what i mean yeah um so out of curiosity you don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable with it but like uh how old are you and your and your little brother i'd rather not give a definite age uh but he's still he's still a teenager and um you know i'm uh i'm grown up now so uh you know there's a there's a there's a sizable enough gap there so Okay, so, uh, well, here's my, um, my thoughts is that uh, whether or not your little brother is, you know, appropriately red-pilled is not that important. Um, I, I think that, you know, uh, can you visit him? Can you call him? Like, are these things allowed or is there, or do you feel like, uh, you know, you can't do that? I I think I can do that, honestly, you know, it's, uh, I just hope it's not the hour being too late or anything like that, where I, or when I get there and try to see him, try to talk to him, I mean, I'm, I'm just hitting a brick wall all the time, you know, and he's very, very used to coming up, you know, so I'd have to get him out of the, I'd have to get him out of the house, have a good day with him, essentially, but it'll be hard, it'll be hard to go and get him to go and agree to all of that, but things as a, as it is, I've got I've just yeah. got to keep trying out because can, it's what the, the sort you, of thing to do. Yeah, can you can you go out like or are you guys still restricted? Oh no, we well, we're not restricted at all over here now. Okay, what happened with that was that's that's a few months old now at the start of the year. Uh, essentially, with the news of everything in January, with all the cases going down and such, and Omicron and everything like that, you know. It was a turning point at that point for anyone who was aware. And um, give it about, say, two two months later or thereabouts, okay, there was this real flashpoint situation of a woman getting horribly murdered in the Midlands, you know, and there was a blanket case of, you know, widespread misandry coming out from the mainstream media as it was. And then, you know, other people, and you know, even actually mainstream journalists as well, actually took notice of this and said, it's like, okay, why, why is this guy saying that all men need a pass to go out? So that was one week. And then the very next week after, with the pressure that was going on with Boris Johnson in the UK, Boris Johnson basically lifted the restrictions there, okay? And then on the turn of a dime, Ireland said the exact same thing. Ireland and its politicians said the exact same thing. Because they don't have an original idea in their heads. And, you know, if Boris uh, Johnson brings down the House of Cards over there in the UK, what, what comes next is all of their their little tiny heaven falls as well. 
that was the situation with that. I can see my little brother properly now, you know? It's it's simply the factor that's, you know, we've got to be able to act and, you know, engage it on a basis of, you know, an individual level, you know, as brothers, but within a culture as well. And I think for a long time, Ireland has had quite uh, quite difficulty with uh, being able to accept its men. And oh, that's just... Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, well, yeah, <laughs> there was a landmark case in 1953 with uh, the case of Evelyn Doyle, where uh, this father was trying to go and get the rights for seeing his all of his kids back uh, from the from the state. But it all hinged on the case of Evelyn Doyle, who was sent to one of these uh, places like the convents. And it wasn't harmful or nasty to her, but, um, you know, in the, in the later years, you know, the laundries and all that carry on, that became known. So uh, that was a that was an issue there. Uh, but it's kind of indicative because even back then, you know, at this big point of uh, legal history in Ireland, you know, it all still depends on the say-so of a little girl because they they literally just have to go and obsess over women in a strange way, and they, they really do in this country. But uh, they don't really go and help them long-term. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, you know, families that are, aren't doing necessarily well, very well, honestly. Uh, a lot of young people who want to start a family can't move out and get a house of their own. There's a lot of um, failed and damaged relationships from people as well because, you know, they've basically had their life destroyed by drinks and drugs and all the other pressures of trying to live with the costs of living being as they are, uh, or intergenerational traumas, essentially. And that all started, that all started up around by, uh, you know, before my lifetime, you know, and I'm a, I was born in the nineties. So the generation before yeah. mine, you know, they, they, they had all the alcohol problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Um, I think that one, one thing that you may have to do when it comes to like reconnecting with your brother is to work slowly. So don't, don't, rush anything don't um push too hard let him you know like feel as though he can call you every once in a while to see how you're doing checking up with him is you know if you can i would just check in i won't i wouldn't get into any of like the you know deep stuff like i i have a brother um and i don't like you I don't bombard him with red pill stuff but occasionally and this is like the trick I think it, there is an opportunity to like drop a little nugget of wisdom right if he so if my brother comes to me and he's like having trouble with women for example and then I'll uh, you know he might not want to talk about it because maybe he doesn't think that I'm I got you know anything to say but I might like coax it out of him and then if he tells me, I might say, oh, well, you know, here's a thing that I've experienced, whatever, right? It's, I'm just giving a, an example. And I think that um, uh, when you're trying to 
you know, reconnect with someone or build, maybe you want to uh, rebuild or, or build a relationship with a family member that you may have like taken for granted when you were younger or something because they were always around. Um, I think it's best to go slow and allow them to, you know, sort of like operate at their own pace. And when you're red pilling people, you really got to go slow too. Because, you know, people are going to like, there's so much pre-programmed assumptions that people have to like fight past. Um, and I don't think it's going to happen like very quickly or easily. But I think that the primary priority should be, you know, um, making sure your brother feels comfortable and, you know, that you and uh, are are just you just want to be there for him in case he has a question or if he needs help and you just want to check in and make sure he's doing okay and i think that if you do that um he'll you know probably like want to interact more as long as you know what i'm saying like as long as he doesn't feel like i don't know he's being like overwhelmed or something so those are my thoughts go slow is what i'm saying Thanks. Thanks very much, Brian. Um, I'm going to go give it a shot, give it a, give it my best essentially. And you know, uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be good. Start with, uh, start with things that you know that he, you know, like it could, it could be super casual, like, like, um, you know, things that you know that you both enjoy and you could just talk about that. Like it doesn't, you don't have to get heavy right away is what I'm saying. So that's a, that's a, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah, the whole point, I guess, I'm just trying to go and have to get into his head that I do want to actually try to be a little bit reliable for him. So, yeah, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll build, I'll start it slow, and I'll I'll keep it going there. It's not necessarily to even red pill him, but I do want him to get into a better place mentally than everything that he's known before. So, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that that's that that's my thought. Uh, someone in the chat. Proven22x said, be direct, tell him you worry that you two are falling away, ask him if you can share in an activity. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I mean, you could do that too. I don't know your brother. I don't know like what his, you know, like demeanor is, but um, definitely like, you know, let's, let's hang out, let's do a thing, but start, you know, just checking in and just so that he knows, you know, that you're there and, and then, like when you feel like it's probably going to, you know, um, work out, then you say, hey, you know, um, you want to go to whatever, a pub. Um, you don't even have to drink, you know, so or, or whatever it is. I mean, just like just like uh, like I said, let them know that you're that you'll be there and and be there, be you no know, regardless. Right. Because some people are going to move at their own. They want to move at their own pace. So. Like give them the space. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's, right. that's pretty good. Thanks. Well, I, I hope it works out, man. And again, I'm sorry about your stepfather. Um, but you know, I guess this like well, we'll see where it goes from there. Maybe so call back Absolutely. and and give us a follow up, okay? Thanks very much, man. All right. All right. I'm gonna move him back into the chat. Uh, I'm going to take this last one offline because apparently um, 
Alfredo St. John is using the browser version. But it may not work. I'll, I'll bring him in. I'll bring him in. All right. So he's using the browser version of Discord. From what I understand, it's not as good. Uh, all right. Hello, Alfredo St. John. Can you hear me? Um, who, who are you asking? Uh, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I can hear you. All right, all right, cool. So it looks like your browser version is working fine. Um, yes. So go ahead and, well, let's look at the question. So this is the last one. I'm not taking any more after this. Um, are you concerned that the crescent, you mean current? Is that what you mean? The current anti-feminist frame itself as anti-modern feminism, suggesting that there was slash is a good feminism? Uh, yes. Um, excuse my uh, mispronunciations or confusion on, on words. I, I don't used to speak English. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, I appreciate you making the effort. Uh, where are you? Um, wh what country are you currently in? I'm Chilean. I'm in Chile. Ah, very cool. Chilean. So uh, let me ask, like, um, do you know if... Anti-feminism is, you know, at all like popular in Chile. Like, I mean, not popular, but it, it, are there people there that are maybe they're writing blogs or making videos or something where they're making the same kind of critiques that we do in the states? No, not at all. There are like um, some small political groups, but even they. Uh, believe that uh, feminist, uh, feminism uh, was uh, corrupted. It was like a good thing and it was corrupted by the radical left. They are more like anti-radical left groups here in Chile. I see, I see. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a normal, a normal sentiment you will find and I, and I wouldn't be surprised honestly if the anti-feminism of South Korea which I was reading about in this article uh, probably would agree with the notion that feminism was once good and necessary and like radicals you know co-opted it and took over so to answer your question um, are you concerned that the current anti-feminist frame itself will frame itself as anti-modern feminism, suggesting that there was slash is a good feminism. Yes, I don't know if I fear that. I'm not concerned for that. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I think that that is like the norm. That's why the, the, the battle, I guess, if you wanna call it the battle, is to get people to see that uh, you know, feminism is top to down, like back to front, all throughout history, a garbage movement. Like it always was, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to own the um, own the, the idea, own the notion that without feminism we would treat women like trash, and because and and the and the only thing keeping men from treating women like trash is feminism. And so the, the problem with that is it is a hateful assumption about men that makes no sense. But that is the truth. Like, that's why there are so many conservative women 
who work so hard to preserve some vestige of feminism, even if they will tell us to our faces that they don't like where feminism has gone. But they don't want to eliminate it completely. They want to keep it in their back pocket, you know, to use when they want something or when they're afraid that, you know, men are going to take something away from them, which, again, I don't think men are going to do. I think that at most, you know, uh, men will treat women like adults and basically hold them accountable for bad behavior and things like that. But they think that without feminism, women would be chattel. So. Yeah, I'm very worried about this because there's one guy, his name is Emmanuel Danan. He's an Argentinian political commentator. He's a libertarian. It's very big. He's uh, a very big voice between libertarians in the Spanish-speaking world, uh, and he wow. has recently uh, made uh, videos uh, appealing. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I know what you're saying. Appealing, right? Appealing. Yeah. Thanks. Appealing uh, to uh, feminism and women in general, uh, saying that. Uh, there was a, a past feminism that is against current feminism, that uh, current feminism is um, nullified by past feminism. And he makes things like uh, quoting John Stuart Mill book, uh, the, the Slavery of Women, I, I think it's, it's called, which is probably the worst thing John Stuart Mill has ever made. And I think this is um, sabotaging uh, his own movement. Oh, absolutely. There, there's no way that libertarianism is compatible with feminism. But, but you know I what? Absolutely agree. Yeah, there, there's no way. Like they're, they're not compatible at all. But what, what blows my mind is I, you know, I knew that the the libertarian party in the United States was a joke. Like. I, uh, my values as a person, my values line up with libertarianism for the most part, but the party, because the reason why it's become a joke, and, and I don't know, I know that there's like some internal struggles within the libertarian party right now, like where you have like the Mises caucus and, you know, um, the, the libertarians, but like the, the foot, the, the reason why I walked away from it was because I, I heard them trying to appeal to women because the, the, the thing about libertarianism is that it's in general unpopular with women, right? And the reason is because women in general believe that the purpose of the state is to essentially supply, you know, and, and feed the needs of the people. So women tend to vote left. They just do. They, they want to take care of other people. They they believe that the state is the best apparatus to do it. They're, they're okay with spending other people's money. Like, that's in general the way women vote. That's why politicians that want power will almost all try to appeal to women in some way, right? So that's just... The, and so the re, the, because of that, because women tend to be statist, libertarians don't attract many women. 
like as a party. So in an effort to try and like get more women to, you know, support libertarianism, they pander to women. They try to like do it in a way that is, you know, like that doesn't involve statism to some degree. Although I think a lot of them do like they, you know, um, and and it doesn't it doesn't work like the, the that's why the libertarian party is a joke because if you if you're bringing in if you're worried about what women think of you as and and you want them to find like some libertarian version of feminism that you made up in your head to be like the way forward you will lose because they they will eat out the inside of your movement it's just like how libertarians let socialists in because they think, oh, libertarian socialism is like a thing. It's like, no, those things are literally opposite words. So, like, there's no way that that exists. But the the socialists, the Vosh types, they will go in there and then they'll corrupt it from the inside out because they'll say, well, we, we need the state for that, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 not disappointed that this happened in the states, but I am surprised that you're uh, the guy that you're talking about that that uh, political pundit or that political commentator who is very popular because of his libertarianism is essentially shilling to women um you you can't like you you're you you can't be a libertarian without making enemies with women like you're going to make enemies with women i'm sorry so mm -hmm. Well, he, he does uh, frame himself as anti-feminism, but he made the distinction and it's like, no, I'm sorry, the moment you make the distinction, you lose. Yes, you're right, exactly. There is, like, it's, if you call yourself an anti-feminist, I think that actually takes some balls because um, a lot of people who are critical of feminism won't say they're anti-feminist. And uh, I think it's because they, again, they're worried about upsetting women. Um... But so I guess saying that is a plus. But if you're also trying to have your cake and eat it too, if you're trying to say, you know, like I'm anti-feminism of today, but I'm okay with feminism of yesterday or feminism in this other country, like they need it. No, they don't. Like you know, it, like the the Middle East doesn't need feminism. It would it would do more harm to them. <laughs> than what they're doing to themselves right now. So, um, and, and, and I frankly don't want that. Like, you know, you can have your Islamic country. I don't think there's a problem with it. Just, you know, like, and, and also I think that if you bring Western feminism to those places, they're only going to be more resentful towards us, which I don't want because I don't support that. So, um, you know, like, let's, let's leave bygones be bygones all right but anyway um so yeah i mean i am i am a bit like concerned but i'm not surprised to answer your question uh i think that you know the this is like in the short term people getting annoyed frustrated or even like angry with you know feminism in its current form is a good thing because it means they will push back against it but what they have to realize is that um, it's not a recent thing. It's just like when people say like, oh, you know, the, the woke politics of today that's infecting like all of our institutions and entertainment and everything. It's so annoying and it's such a problem. And I just want to go back to the 1990s. And, and I'm like, 
it was around in the 1990s. It's just gotten a lot worse. So what you're saying is, I don't want to eliminate this. I just want to go back to a time where I didn't notice it. And it's like, no, like the fact that we can see it now, the fact that it's like in our face and it's obvious. And for many people, it was obvious in the 90s, to be honest, because there was a big political correct thing going on then too. Um, the fact that you can see it now should tell you that this is a problem that's been with us for a very long time. And that like just wanting to go back to some like earlier period when you were young and ignorant is not what you want because that means it's not gone. That just means you can't see it. So, you know, that, um, that, that's just a, it's a child's way of looking at things is, you know, what I will say. We have to look at like uprooting it completely. And most of that has to happen in our own minds where we're basically like, this thing is not legitimate. It was never legitimate. It has to go. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad about this rise of anti-feminism. But I'm, uh, I'm also worried about this uh, warning, this danger. So that's why I wanted to draw away the, the alert. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. And it's really good to know that, um, you know, that people from South America are listening because uh, I was curious about that. So thank you, uh, I'm probably, Alfredo. I'm probably the only one, honestly. <laughs> Maybe, but you know what? It's better than nobody. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to move you back, Alfredo. Thank you for coming thank on the you, show. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, so I think we're about ready to wrap this up. Uh, I got a super chat from Duncan Alexander for 70 czar. I think that czars are like South African, right? Um, and he says, thanks again for your time, Brian. See you all in the next vid. Thank you for the kind donation. Um, so I guess like I'll, I'm going to wrap it up there. If anybody here, you know, is not American, um, because we already know the conditions in the United States, but I would really like to hear from people who are from other countries and what their experiences with, you know, feminism are, because I'm sure it's everywhere uh, because everybody has women. And so if you have women, you probably have some incarnation of this ideology. So what give us like your experience with this, if you've had any in your home country or where you are living um, and and, uh, you know, like what what are your thoughts on this uh, this anti feminist South Korean president? Um, I hope he is as anti feminist as Time magazine is making it out to be. But I don't honestly know. So I, I'd like to know. I'd like to see that. Uh, Iggy Thunders gives us $10 and doesn't add, doesn't say anything. Um, I'm going to check Super Chows because sometimes I get them and I miss them. I'm just going to look up Super Chow really quick. Uh, no new Super Chows. So. All right. And let me just check over here on Rumble. Nope, nothing there. All right. So we're going to close out the show now. Like I said, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about um, 
what we discussed on the show today. And again, if you have any like interesting things you want to share. And also, if you heard a question that someone called in and you want to add to it, maybe leave a comment about that as well. I'm sure that the people who called in would really appreciate, you know, your um, your uh, thoughts on that. So if you guys like this video, please smash the like button. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Hit the bell for notifications so you know when our shows go live. Um, leave us a comment. Let us know what your thoughts are on everything that we discussed. And most importantly, please share this video because sharing is caring. Thank you guys so much for coming on today's episode of The Badger Lodge. And we will talk to you all in the next video. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.